0: There always arises in the heart of every single person at some time in their life, why is there evil? Why does God allow evil? Why does he allow sin and even sin that causes scandal? Why does he allow this even within the church? And what's further perplexing is Jesus himself, in choosing the 12 disciples, he chooses Judas. And Jesus knows early on that Judas will betray him. At the end of John chapter 6, right after Peter says these words in our stained glass window, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus says, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet, one of you is a devil. And then John in parentheses says, and he was referring to Judas who would betray him. Why does Jesus allow Judas to remain? This is what the lord is trying to teach through parable and these parables are invitations for all of us here tonight to enter into god's world god's heart god's way of thinking because there's the way of the world. And sometimes the way we respond to any number of things, we all know that sometimes it doesn't come from a place of grace, but rather from our fallen human nature. And this is why sometimes we are not seeing correctly And therefore, we respond in a way that is not helpful, and sometimes even harmful. So through these parables, we are being invited to take on the mind and the heart of God. And there are three parables that are similar. There's a parable where Jesus expresses the same thing, but using the image of a net that is full of fish, and the bad fish are separated from the good fish. Another parable where there are sheep and there are goats, and a moment when the goats are put over on the left and the sheep on the right and now the parable that we just heard, expressing the same mystery. The kingdom of heaven is like a field in which the sower planted wheat, and an enemy came along and sowed weeds. And now we have a field where there is wheat and there are weeds, and there'll be a moment when the two will be separated. Now what I am struck by, and maybe you as well, the separation happens at the end of the world, not before. It is at the end of time when the good and the bad fish, the sheep and the goats The wheat and the weeds will be separated. But on this side of heaven, the two are allowed to remain together. Just like Judas is allowed to remain in the Twelve, and we go, I don't get it. Why does God allow this? And we are scandalized by this, because we would want to go about things a different way. Let's just pull out all the weeds right now, so we can have a perfect church. The problem there, as I'm sure you've heard, the minute I joined that church, we got problems, because I'm not perfect. Here's how Augustine puts it, these parables are a further revelation of the mercy of God. For example, this is what the first reading is trying to get at, Lord, you judge with clemency and you govern us. With much lenience, you gave your children good grounds for hope that you would permit repentance for their sins. God says to the prophet Ezekiel, I do not will the death of any sinner, but rather that this sinner repent and live. Saint Peter said to the church in his second letter, "'The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but God is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance.'" Jesus at the Last Supper Even up till then, he gives Judas opportunities to repent. He gives him a special place at the Last Supper, allowing that gesture of friendship in handing the morsel. He even washes his feet, hoping up to the end that his heart would break and melt with repentance. Here's what Augustine says, in the fields of nature, a weed is a weed is a weed, and it can't be anything else. But in God's field, the church in the world, a weed by God's grace and mercy can become wheat. A bad fish can become a good fish. A goat can become a sheep. A sinner can become a saint. Okay, now we're entering into God's mind, how God operates in his kingdom, not like the world. God does not desire anyone to be lost, no matter who they are. And God wants us to also want their salvation, no matter who they are. That's hard, especially when I am the one who has been hurt by the sin of someone else. There's a beautiful passage in the Catechism, and those of you who might want to look that up later, paragraph 827. The church clasps sinners to her bosom, sinners who are at once holy and always in need of purification. And this is why the church always follows the path of penance and renewal. All the members of the church, including her ministers, must acknowledge that we are sinners. In everyone, the weeds of sin will still be mixed with the good wheat of the gospel until the end of time. Hence, the church gathers sinners already caught up in Christ's salvation, but still on the way to holiness. The reason why this is so important especially with sins that cause scandal is how it can lead some to leave the church. Those who are weak in faith, who are not capable of understanding this mystery of how God allows this to remain in the church and sometimes in our own hearts. And it's at moments throughout the history of the church when there is so much sin, scandal, and corruption that we see the saints clinging to the promise of Christ. On you, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of the, of the netherworld will never prevail against it. I will be with you always, even to the end of time." And so we are all, like the saints, encouraged to continue to cling to Christ. Christ will always remain in his church, and everything that Christ is and all that Christ has given to his church remains even now. The faith that Peter proclaimed upon which the church is built is still there. The sacramental life that flows through the church I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is my body. This is my blood. I absolve you from all your sins. Receive the Holy Spirit. That is still in the church. And we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. This is why Jesus gives us this parable so that we are not as scandalized, or if we are, we don't leave His church, but remain faithful until death. And not only allowing Jesus to weed the garden of our hearts, but by our prayers, for those who have sinned and have caused scandal to want their salvation as much as God does. This is why I hear confessions several times a week. There are miracles of mercy always wanting to be happening and that need to happen This is why I'm glad for my brother priests where I can go to confession once a week. Isn't it amazing how quickly the weeds can grow in our hearts? And if neglected, how they can just take over? God is mercy, and He's inviting us into His world of mercy, giving everyone a chance to repent as He has given it to us. So let us bring our weeds, (laughs) and any weeds in the church, in the world that we are aware of, let us bring it into the Paschal mystery, the death and resurrection of Jesus, where all of it can be redeemed. Amen.